for a pack, I'm also using an Everly stock. It's the F1 mainframe. Uh, the reason that I use this pack, especially on backcountry hunts, is because it has an external frame that is super, super tough. I think these guys tested it up to 800 pounds of weight. Not that you need to carry that, but whenever something can can do more than what you could ever ask of it, then your chances of failure go substantially down. So that's why they did that. The thing's super tough. It's also modular, so you can put lots of different bags on the pack. Um, it's got a meat shelf on the bottom, which is just critical if you're going to be packing out very much meat. And you can adjust really everything on this pack to fit your body really well. And I've never had a, a pack fit my body as well as this one. These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. Make sure that you hang in here until at some point near the end of the show, because I'm going to make somebody an extremely good deal and get you 50% off of a Sig Sauer cross rifle. Hang in there and I'll tell you how you can do it. Well, we're in that time of year where folks are starting to head into the backcountry and, and do some backcountry hunts where weather is a little bit more consequential because uh, it's October and we've got this this weird shoulder season that we call fall. And with that, with the rotation of the earth right now, weather becomes very volatile and much harder to predict. So if you talk to a meteorologist, they'll tell you that in the spring or the fall, that their accuracy for predicting storms goes down. And that's just because of how the earth is tilted and its rotation around the sun. With that comes specific requirements for how we go into the backcountry. And again, if I'm going to define backcountry, that is being in a portion of, you know, the not necessarily the wilderness, could be national forest or whatever, but a place where you can't get back to your truck in one day. So if you're farther than one day's travel from your vehicle, which gets you back to civilization, then you're in the backcountry. If you can just walk back to your truck and be in town and eating a cheeseburger later on, uh, that's probably more along the lines of front country. So I'm talking about um, a little bit more more serious trip. 
What I want to do today is go through everything that I carry on this type of hunt. And I've talked about it before, but I want you guys to be really honest with yourselves about how you go about doing a, uh, a hunt like this, because you're going to be carrying, you know, between 30 and 40 pounds on the way in there. And then if you shoot an elk or bighorn sheep or mountain goat or deer, or whatever it is you're after, now you're carrying out all that weight from, you know, hide and head and meat and, uh, you know, whatever else it is that you're legally required to bring out and uh, in that you elect to carry out in addition to the legal requirements. Your pack out, if you're running solo um, on a on a backcountry mule deer hunt, is probably going to be in the 100 pound range. I think, you know, completely boned out, uh, a big mule deer buck is going to be between 60 and 80 pounds of meat. So, it's pretty substantial. Uh, that's a lot of weight to carry for an entire day. But let's just get straight into the gear that I carry. And uh, I'm also going to break down how much it costs. This is kind of a come to Jesus moment for me because uh, it's more than what I thought. But the reason that I use this stuff is because it's my profession. I take it very seriously. And I'm using the best thing that I possibly can to get the job done as well as possible. In almost every category here, there is something that might be better, that might do the job better, but it's going to cost substantially more. Um, so there's always a balance. There's also things that can get the job done that cost less than the items that I'm about to describe. And uh, that's definitely what I started out with, like really, really basic stuff. My first rain jacket was just a trash bag. Poke holes through it for your arms and for your head and, you know, you uh, you got pretty wet, but uh, thankfully we've moved on from that. So getting started, um, the gun. Now the rifle that I'm carrying is a Sig Sauer cross rifle. Uh, the one that I'm hunting with currently is a prototype and it's chambered in 277 Sig Fury. That is firing a 150 grain bullet about 2,800 feet per second. Uh, the bullet is a Nosler Acubond. It performs really well on game um, anytime that it's going over 1,800 feet per second. So for the ranges that I shoot when I'm hunting, this is a really good round for, let's say, deer, mountain goats. Um, I'd be fine with it on, on bighorn sheep, on Audat, on something like that. For elk, it's still lighter than what I prefer, but I've killed quite a few elk with it, and uh, and it always went fine. And it's, it's wonderful on bears. For black bears in the lower 48, this is just great. The performance is pretty similar to a long action 270. The difference is that you're getting that same performance, in this case, from a 16-inch barrel and a 6.5-pound gun with a folding stock. Um, the cross rifle, when it folds up, I can just shove it down inside my pack or in one of the pockets in my pack. And then when I put a silencer on it, then it's not unreasonably long. It just feels like a like a real rifle. Excellent ergonomics throughout this gun. The stock is fully adjustable. The, the rifle itself is well built. It's tougher than hell. So this isn't a gun that like you strap to the side of your pack and now you're afraid on how you set the pack down. Like if it rolls over on top of itself on the rocks, that's not that big of a deal. This gun is going to be perfectly fine because it's it's built extremely well. Very accurate. Um, the accuracy 
of this rifle. Um, of the ones that I've been around, they've all been in that MOA to you know slightly sub MOA category on on three to five shot groups. Uh, that's really all I ask for out of a hunting rifle. Anything more than that, and it, it's far exceeding my ability to shoot in the field. So, no big deal. Like I said, mine is a is a is chambered and a prototype, but you can get it in six five Creedmoor or um, or three oh eight currently, and those rifles are going to cost you sixteen hundred dollars. For optics, um, I carry three pieces of glass with me. So the the binocular that I'm carrying is a Zulu 6 16 power image stabilized binocular from SIG. It is $849. Um, what's neat about this is that it only weighs like 19.2 ounces and it has some gyroscopic devices in there that stabilize the prism inside the binocular. So when you flip a switch to turn these things on and they just run off of a single AA battery and that will run it for more than 20 hours and an entire season, no problem. You flip the switch on and your image, instead of shaking like you do in normal binoculars, suddenly becomes very stable. And I find that I'm able to outglass people who, who are on spotting scopes, on tripods, you know, that weigh seven pounds in a, in a total package. And, you know, I'm doing it for, for 19 ounces. So that's a fantastic tool. One of the biggest developments within hunting in the last couple of years, I think is, is these image stabilized binoculars and they're incredible. And that takes a lot of weight out of your pack because now you don't necessarily have to bring a tripod and a spotting scope. So we just removed that seven or eight pounds that you normally would need to have if you're going to do a backcountry hunt for, for say mule deer. As far as a scope, I'm using a whiskey six scope and, uh, this thing just came out. I just started using it. It's pretty cool. Uh, when I first put it on the rifle and pulled it up, I had this sort of like, wow, shock factor for just how bright and clear the image is. Uh, mine has an MOA reticle. Uh, the maximum power is 18 on it, which is more than I need, but, uh, it's got capped windage and elevation turrets. So it's not like the, the tactical target scopes that you're used to seeing me use that have turrets that I can spin and, and click around. This thing is, is just sort of zero at a hundred. And then I can use the, uh, I can use the reticle after that. If I want to, I can also pull one of the scope caps off and, and spin that dial if I feel like it. But again, I don't shoot a long ways when I'm hunting. I shoot a close ways. I like getting close to animals. I think that's pretty exciting. I need to be able to, to shoot a long way sometimes. So I like having that, that potential, but in reality, I want to get close. That's uh, that's a lot more exciting for me. And it's uh, it's a big skill builder. Uh, I encourage you guys to, to try that. So that whiskey six, it's real light. Um, it's great scope, bright. It's going to be $800, which puts it in, in an attractive price range. Uh, that's a high, high quality scope. I've spent a lot more money than that on, uh, on scopes before and they didn't perform as well. So, so far so good with this thing. It's my first season with it. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but so far I've been extremely impressed. I think that the value you're getting for this, I think the scopes that maybe 10 years ago that I was spending like 15 to $1,800 on 
that's sort of the quality that I'm seeing in this scope here right now. So I would say that you're getting a thousand dollars off um, as far as relative value. The uh, the rangefinder that I carry is a Kilo 8K. Um, this is a tremendous rangefinder. It has a lot of features that I find very useful. One of the biggest ones is that it can range a really long ways. So it's no problem for me to range three or 4,000 yards with this um, little handheld rangefinder. And the reason that I want to do that is if I spot a deer that's way up in the top of a basin someplace and it's across a drainage from where I am, um, I want to be able to laze that deer and figure out exactly how far away he is. Then I'm going to bust out my compass and figure out the azimuth to him. And then I can get into what, whichever mapping system you use, whether it's Onyx or Basement, whatever. I don't care. Everybody makes one. Um, and they all work good. So good job to those tech folks out there. Uh, you bust that thing out and you can drop a pin where that deer is. And that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty helpful because now you can figure out, okay, what's the wind going to do? You can look at the terrain around him. You can actually zoom in and see trees and stuff like that uh, because we get to have the benefit of satellite imagery and hunting in this modern era, of which is uh, pretty helpful for us and probably not that helpful for the mule deer. But anyways, that Kilo 8K is great. It's got weather units in it, so I'm getting good constant atmospheric data uh, so that if I do have to take that longer range shot, it's going to give me the best possible ballistic solution. It's got some software that's uh, that's powered by the, the geniuses over there at Applied Ballistics, and it's just a good piece of gear. It doesn't weigh very much. Uh, it works every time. I like it. So that thing runs $1,799, which is uh, no no joke. That's a lot of money. But gosh, I think it's still a pretty good value because again, if I dial it back 10 years ago, I would have to spend between three and $5,000 to get something that didn't work as well. So things are getting better and they're getting cheaper. Man, that doesn't always happen. So pretty exciting. Moving on down the list got to have a knife, right? So we've got a, got a rifle, got our ammo, got our optics. The next thing that I've got to have is knife. I use an Argali carbon knife and I wear it around my neck. Uh, so I just run a piece of parachute cord through the scabbard of the knife and the handle goes down. Um, so this thing is on me every day. I actually wear it every day of the year, unless I'm in an airport or someplace that I can't have a knife on me. In, in which case I feel completely nude, but this is a fantastic knife and I use it for every task. Um, I can cut meat with it. I can open a box with it. I can cape, I can do whatever, whatever it is, extremely tough knife. I can sharpen it. The steel isn't so hard that I can't sharpen it, but it isn't so soft that, you know, as soon as I cut through muddy hair to knock a leg off or something like that, that, um, that the edge is going to fold over. So I think it's just a, a fantastic knife. Again, that's the Argali carbon. And, uh, that is going to be $201. You got to have your tag and your hunting license and that cost is going to vary by state. So won't even really get into that because I don't know whether you're a resident or non-resident, you can do that math on your own. Now I kind of get into like the, the survival mode. I've got my necessities, right? I need to be able to shoot. I need to be able to see. I need to be able to be legal. I need to be able to cut up whatever it is. But I've also got to be able to survive while I'm out there. 
I've been hit by feet of snow in the backcountry, really, really tough weather, and it can kill you. And it does kill folks every year. Every year, hunters go back into the backcountry and they die because they don't have the skills or the gear to keep themselves safe, which is one of the reasons that I'm going through this because I want you guys coming home. Uh, for fire, I like a ferro rod. Um, so that's a ferrocerium rod. It's an amalgam of different metals that with a little bit of friction, uh, creates a spark that is, uh, very, very hot and it works no matter what the weather is. It can be raining. It can be snowing. doesn't matter. You scrape this thing over the back of your knife and it is going to create a very, very hot spark. It's a good idea to bring some tinder with you. Um, there's lots of ways to do that, like Vaseline in, uh, in cotton balls and a pill bottle um, is a classic one. You can use dryer and lint, anything that, that is fibrous and fine that you can knock that spark into that will start burning. Uh, gosh, that, that just works, works awesome. So lighters actually don't work if it's below freezing. Um, so if you are going to carry a lighter, carry it in your pocket, but just a big lighter is a good thing to have. I don't carry matches. They always end up getting broken or lost. You only get to use them once. Whereas a ferro rod, you can create literally thousands of fire off one rod. Uh, ferro rod is going to cost you $8. So not that big of a deal. Light is another critical one. I carry two sources of light with me. I guess technically three if you count my cell phone, but there's a light in my watch. Um, there's a little LED light in my Garmin Tactics Pro watch that I'll get to later on in this list. But I also carry a headlamp. Um, the headlamp I carry, I get from Costco. Uh, you get a three pack for $20. So yeah, a little less than seven bucks comes with the batteries. Those things were great. Uh, really awesome. One thing I will tell you about uh, headlamps, I recommend not necessarily taking the batteries out, but flipping them around. So putting them in in the opposite direction. And I don't 100% know the science on this, but the headlamp won't accidentally turn on in your pack when you do this. So if it accidentally clicks a button, I think that's something we've all had. It's like you go to get in your pack to grab your headlamp and it's just like, barely faintly glowing because it's almost dead. Like that's a bad feeling. So, uh, yeah, flip those batteries around and then, uh, you only have to flip them again when you're ready to use it. And then your batteries are, are still full of juice. So yeah, you're, uh, you're whopping $7 into your headlamp for a sleeping bag. I use a cryptic Kilsia zero degree bag. The thing that I like about this is it's a down bag. So you're saving weight and you're saving space. It's zero degrees and I've actually slept in it down to zero degrees and wasn't not miserable. A lot of times the temperature rating on a sleeping bag is the survival rating. Um, and the not so funny joke is that that's the temperature at which you die. Did a podcast a while ago with folks at Nemo and that is kind of how they rate their sleeping bags. So kind of a joke, kind of not. But this sleeping bag from Cryptek is sure enough comfortable down to zero degrees. The problem with down has always been that if it gets wet, it doesn't work anymore. But we're living in the 21st century and this down is hydrophobic, meaning that it can get wet and it will repel that water. And I've gotten it very wet. I've gotten straight up rained on in this bag before and it did fine. It's remarkable. Um, 
I wrote a review on it for Cryptek. I think you can find that over at uh, at the Agora, which is you know where they have articles and uh, reviews and how tos and stuff like that. So I do recommend a zero degree bag. Uh, the weight over like a 15 degree bag isn't substantially more, but if you do get in that super cold situation, which like I said can happen pretty quickly, then you're going to want to uh, you're going to want to have that. If you're getting hot, it's no big deal, right? Just open your bag up a little bit and move on. But better to be too warm than too cold in a sleeping bag for sure. And that sleeping bag, um, that costs 500 bucks. For sleeping pads, Thermarest is kind of the gold standard. They make a lot of different ones. Uh, some have like a foam core inside of them. Um, some of them are, are really just a shell that air goes inside of. Whatever you do, look at the R value of that bag. That's like the actual insulation factor. And you're going to want to go with something that is, you know, four seasons, meaning that it will work if you have to sleep on top of the snow, which isn't as bad as it sounds. Um, if you've got a good sleeping pad and you're on top of the snow, you can actually be, be plenty warm and comfortable. Most of those pads are going to run around $200. Uh, you just find find the pad that's going to work for you. But whatever you do, make sure that you have a little bit of a patch kit with it. Because if you get in there and your pad gets a hole in it from one little stick or you accidentally drop your knife or broadhead on it or whatever, uh, man, you're hosed and it can get really miserable and a little bit scary if now all that heat from your body is going straight into the ground. So 200 bucks for your sleeping pad. Now we've got to keep you out of the weather, right? So there's a, there's a shelter, um, shelter, tent, you know, lots of different words for it. Shelter tends to be used for stuff that doesn't have a floor in it, which is my preference. Even if I'm on the snow or on the wet, uh, it's not that big of a deal. If you're concerned about that ground moisture, go to a construction site and get yourself a ground tarp made out of house wrap. Uh, like Tyvek, something like that. It's extremely light. It's really, really tough. Actually, uh, Tyvek is so tough that some countries use that material to print their currency on because you just about can't rip it. You can wash it. It holds ink. It's just incredible stuff, and it makes a good moisture barrier between you and the ground, and you can wad that stuff up and shove it inside of a, of a water bottle with the top cut off and then bring it back out. It gets a little crinkly when... When it's brand new, so you can uh, you can tumble it around in your dryer, um, not on hot, just like on on tumble, and you can get some of the crinkles out of it, and then it'll it'll be really nice and supple. And you can usually get that, uh, like I said, for free. You can just like next time you see somebody wrapping a house or, or on a construction site, just swing over and be like, "Hey man, can I have uh, like a eight by eight uh, foot section of that?" And here's a beer, and they'll be like, "Sure, I like beer. Here you go." That's what uh, people act like around here. Maybe, maybe not where you live, but anyways. Uh, so the one shelter that I use is the Viam Madison TP. Uh, this thing weighs about two pounds. I can fit three guys plus gear in it, which is a little tight, or myself, and I can just yard sale my gear everywhere. But for the weight, gosh, it's really, really tough to be. I've had it in snow. I've had it in wind. Um, you can add a titanium stove, which, uh, which doesn't weigh all that much more. It's just a, it's a good piece of gear and it's a good value for what it is. 
been in a lot of rain in it and I've never gotten wet. So I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, this TP is going to cost you $570 and then you can add some other stuff on top of that if you want, but the baseline is 570. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier that you're going to want a bino harness and that's something that I wear. What I find is if I put something in my pack, then I'm less likely to reach for it if, uh, if I need it, right? It's, it's an encumbrance. It's an inconvenience. I've got to take my pack off, unzip something, get in there, grab it, get it out, put it away. Uh, but if, if it's on my chest, I can just grab it like right off the bat. So I'm carrying an increasingly, um, large amount of things on the front of my body versus in my pack on the back of my body. The bino harness that I use is from Everly stock and it's a recon modular bino harness and it is $120. There's a bunch of stuff that you can add to it. Um, accessory pouches. There's even a hand warmer thing like you see football players use. Um, that's pretty nice so that you can keep your hands warm and then pull it out, not have a glove on and have the dexterity to operate a trigger or something with buttons or whatever. Uh, that works really well. Lots of stuff you can add to that uh, modular bino harness. It's quiet. It's got magnetic closures. It's just a slick system and it's comfortable to wear. So I have been mad at a lot of bino harnesses over my life. Uh, this one isn't perfect. I don't think that there is such a thing as perfect when it comes to carrying stuff on your chest, but it's the best one I've used so far and I'm digging it. Not, not mad about this one at all. For a pack, I'm also using an Everly stock. It's the F1 mainframe. Uh, the reason that I use this pack, especially on backcountry hunts, is because it has an external frame that is super, super tough. I think these guys tested it up to 800 pounds of weight. Not that you need to carry that, but whenever something can, can do more than what you could ever ask of it, then your chances of failure go substantially down. So that's why they did that. The thing's super tough. It's also modular, so you can put lots of different bags on the pack. Um, it's got a meat shelf on the bottom, which is just critical if you're going to be packing out very much meat. And you can adjust really everything on this pack to fit your body really well. And I've never had a, a pack fit my body as well as this one. As far as the shoulder harness and the and the waist belt, Glenn Neverly like absolutely changed hunting packs. Uh, when he started getting into this this scene, um, and he's an interesting guy on his own, Olympic shooter, uh, he's a pilot, he's a veteran, interesting dude. You might uh, might give uh, Mr. Everly a Google because yeah, he's worth looking into. But he created a hell of a company, and they make a great pack. So on top of that frame, I am putting the Vapor Five Thousand bag and that attaches really easily there's not a bunch of um, like straps and nonsense where you feel like you've got to you know bust out the google machine and you know watch a youtube tutorial on on how to like disassemble and reassemble this pack it is dead simple requires zero explanation and this is the size of pack that i would recommend for somebody that's going to go into a place with potentially inclement weather for three or four days um, it, it's just a good size and it's really light. So that F1 mainframe is going to be 279 and then that bag is going to be 229. Um, but 
if there's another bag that works for you, they've got lots of different options for that. Trekking poles. My goodness, are they important? Yeah, it just gives you an extra easily 20%, like 20% farther between between points where you have to rest. Uh, you fall down a lot less. You're stabilizing your body because you've always got an extra point of contact everywhere you go. Saves your knees, saves your back. It allows you to keep your head up a little bit more so that you can you can see more things, which is pretty important when you're hunting. Uh, the trekking poles that I use are from Black Diamond. They're the Alpine Carbon Cork. I've had one of them, one of these sets, probably for 15 years, and I haven't broken it. The only reason I have two sets is because one time I went on a hunt and I forgot them, so I swung into a store and bought a second set and uh, just punished myself with uh, with that financial burden because uh, because I forgot a critical piece of gear. Because it wasn't going through my packing list appropriately. These trekking poles are going to cost you about $200. One thing that I will recommend is they come with, uh, with carbide tips, like a really hard metal tip. And those are great on rocks and they provide a lot of extra traction, but they are loud. You can get rubber tips um, just for a few bucks that you can screw into those. They do wear out. I think, you know, I find that rubber tips in the rocky stuff that I hike around in will last you know, between 200 and 400 miles. So for the, I think 20 bucks that it costs to switch your tips out, uh, that's not that bad. 400 miles also tends to be the amount of time that it takes to wear out a set of hiking boots. So uh, again, not that big of a deal because your boots are fairly expensive. I'm not putting, um, boots on this list because they're such a personal thing. You know, if you're curious what boots I use, feel free to reach out and we can talk about it. But I think that that boots are personal to you and the situation that you're in. And I I never really tell people, hey, you should wear this model or this brand. I can look at a boot and say, yeah, that's going to work for the type of hunting that you're going to do. But I don't know that it's going to work for the arches in your feet or your stride. You know, there's an entire branch of medicine dedicated just towards feet. So that's a, that's a personal thing. I'm not going to put it on this list. Water is important to bring with you. I don't filter water in most of the places that I go, but if you're in a place where, where there's going to be Giardia, or if you've lived predominantly in town for most of your life, you're, you're probably not used to drinking a bunch of weird, uh, organisms in your water. So you're going to want to filter that. There's lots of filtration systems out there. I like the gravity filtration systems if you're going to use them because you just fill up the bag and then let it gravity out and you can have that um, working without your attention. Like it's just going to filter out while you're, while you're out doing your thing, while you're glassing or whatever. Um, there's some pens, um, some like UV sterilizer pens, SteriPens that you can use. But again, water filtration, that's up to you. As far as water bottles, people will buy a lot of really crazy expensive stuff um, to figure out how to carry water. What I really like to do is just use smart water bottles. So I buy smart water, it costs like $2, comes with water in it. Those bottles are big and long and they're slick. They don't have any ridges or, or labels that fall off on them. So they can go right into my pockets of my pack and I can reach back behind me and grab one really easily. They're also 
very tough. And if you wrap a little bit of electrical tape around the uh, the lid, uh, that tends to be the weak point, then that makes that lid really tough and you've got yourself a, a pretty good system. So I'm going to um, put $4 down for my budget for water bottles and that comes with uh, with water already in them. You do need to be able to heat up water for your food um, and for coffee and stuff like that. Uh, for coffee, um, which is important because you're, you're probably not going to be sleeping as well. You're at a higher elevation. Um, I, I do want you drinking lots of water and staying hydrated, but coffee is just an important thing to have. Black Rifle Coffee makes some little um, instant coffee straws. Uh, Starbucks makes them too. Um, it's really up to you. But those things are, are cool. You do have a little bit of trash with it. Uh, make sure that when you rip that top off that that, that, that trash doesn't end up on the ground. But uh, yeah, uh, having some instant coffee with you is is pretty critical. I did forget that on a mule deer hunt a couple years ago. and didn't realize it until I was already a day and a half back. And uh, gosh, I hated my life. I almost walked out. But I didn't. So your jet boil is going to cost you about $115. There's lots of different ways to heat water, but a jet boil just seems to work really well. I do recommend only cooking water in your jet boil and not cooking your food in there. So you're going to want to have, you know, a a separate system. I use um, a cup, a, a titanium cup from Stanley called the stay hot mug. That thing's actually kind of, kind of pricey. It's $93, but it, uh, it's got some insulation in it. And I think enjoying a nice cup of coffee while you're sitting on a ridge and you're, you're watching this, this beautiful hillside or pass in front of you. And you're, you're just waiting for that, that thing to happen that took you so much effort to get into. Like that's a pretty special time. And I, I very much enjoy it. So I just, uh, I put a little bit of extra value in that moment of the morning where, you know, you're just watching some, some steam come off your coffee and blowing on it and waiting for it to cool down. And, um, then occasionally looking through your glass and just being, being present out there in the back country. It's what it's all about. So, uh, I, that's the mug that I use for that. And then I'll cook food in it as well. If I'm not going to cook food straight in the bag, um, which is the, the typical move. As far as freeze-dried food, I do make a lot of my own freeze-dried food, but if I'm going to buy it, I use Peak Refuel. They're around $12. Uh, They've got quite a bit of protein in them, which is helpful, Uh, and they've got quite a bit of fat. That fat and protein is going to really help your your brain and body recover while you're back there, and then they've got a substantial amount of carbs as well um, that you're going to be burning for energy. If you want to know more about backcountry nutrition or front country nutrition, uh, you really need to get a hold of V2P Nutrition, Valley to Peaks Nutrition. Those guys uh, really know what they're doing. Very helpful. They've helped me out a lot. And it's a, again, it's it's a field with an entire branch of medicine dedicated towards it. It's not something that, that lay people understand, but they broke it down for me in a way that was really helpful. And I appreciate them. Good folks. So, I only bring um, two freeze-dried meals per day. Uh, people that eat three a day like that takes up a lot of time. It's a lot of calories, and it's not necessarily that much fun to eat, to eat that much freeze-dried. But those meals are about twelve dollars a piece. So if it's a four-day hunt, um, we're we're looking at a lot of money there. Uh, What's that? Like 
$96. Yeah, I think that's 96 bucks for, for eight meals. Getting into some more gear, socks. Um, I bring one extra pair of socks. I use Darn Tufts. I also use Smart Wools, but Darn Tufts uh, seem to be a, a slightly better sock. They also have a lifetime warranty. Uh, I use Merino Wool. Uh, they're great. If one of my socks is getting crusty, I'll wash them off in a crick and I keep a safety pin on the back of my pack and I will pin my socks to the pack with the safety pin, let them dry out, and uh, and I, I switch into my new socks. There's people that walk like the entire Continental Divide Trail on a couple pair of darn tough socks doing this. So that's a good deal. I bring one extra pair of underwear. Um, I used to bring no extra pairs of underwear, but I had an incident in Nevada after eating some gas station sushi on a mule deer hunt. And uh, now I bring extra underwear. The underwear that I use are called Ex Officio, and they're kind of expensive. They're like $30 a piece. But if you're going to be in a pair of underwear for a week, like these are the ones. They're antimicrobial, very comfortable. They never lose their stretch, so they they stay the same size. Um, they don't kind of get bigger by the day. Just a good piece of gear. Very impressed with those underwear. Uh, for pants, uh, if I'm going to have one pair of pants for a backcountry hunt like this, uh, I need them to be able to repel some temperature changes. They've got to be tough. So I'm probably going to go with like the Dalibor 3 from Cryptek. Those are $200. They've got some knee pads. Uh, they've got a good belt loop system, which is an underrated feature in packs. And they're just the right balance if you're only going to have one pair of pants. And I don't recommend bringing a second pair. That's a lot of extra weight. For a shirt, I use the Cryptek uh, Sonora hooded shirt. And it is a, a synthetic material, but it's really comfortable on your skin. And yeah, it gets smelly, but really we're talking about a, a solo backcountry hunt here. And everything gets smelly. That's just the reality of the beast. Uh, those pants, like I said, are $200. The, uh, the shirt is, is 100 bucks. After that, I'm layering up to a fleece. Uh, if I'm going to have one fleece, it's going to be the Arma fleece hoodie. It's a full zip, uh, which means that it's a little bit easier for me to take on and off. Uh, $149 for that. Then I'm going to a real lightweight puffy jacket, not like the big Aries puffy jacket that takes up a ton of space, uh, but the Lycos 2 jacket, very lightweight, puffy, very, very warm, incredibly warm for its size, and uh, a really reasonable price, uh, $229 for that jacket. Then uh, then I want to have a shell in case it gets really gnarly because cold rain will straight up freaking kill you like pretty darn quickly up there. Uh, almost happened to me before. So the shell that I'm going to use, I'm actually going to invest a lot in and that's going to be the Cryptek uh, Takur jacket and that's $419. That is a very, very good piece of gear. It is better than Gore-Tex. It's better than anything else I've ever encountered, military, civilian, whatever. That thing's awesome, and I wear it all winter long, all spring long. Whenever it's nasty in the fall, I work in it, I'm doing construction in it, I'm ranching in it. Like, this thing is awesome. Worth your money right there. 
gloves. Um, now we're getting back to inexpensive land. So I really like fingerless wool gloves. Wool is going to continue insulating even when it's wet. Um, the fingerless lets me have dexterity in, in my fingers and my thumbs because you end up using your thumbs for a lot of stuff like activating a, a safety or whatever. So you can get those at like a feed store for around $12. You don't have to get anything crazy with that. And then Cryptek has some leather ranch gloves that are insulated. Uh, they're $16. They're on sale right now. Uh, I use those, again, all year long, all kinds of work. And last winter, I actually only used those uh, for snowmobiling. So I wanted to see what it would be like in really cold conditions where they're constantly getting wet. I was having to grab tree limbs and rip stuck sleds out of the snow and all that. Really, really good piece of gear right there. So 16 bucks. Uh, sort of getting into the technology sector, bring an inReach with you. I think that that's, that's an important thing these days. You can get weather updates with that. You can communicate if you've got a problem or if you shoot something in a really nasty place and you need help getting it out, um, you can you can communicate your location and, and request that help. And then if you have a sure enough emergency, then you can get help coming for that. Yeah, it's an incredible luxury to have satellite communication now. Your Garmin inReach, um, I would go with the Mini 2. Uh, the battery life is excellent. Pairs with your phone, and then you can just kind of text straight from your phone. That's going to be 400 bucks, and then you've got to pay for a plan on top of that. And the plans are, are different rates. Phone is another thing I recommend. Uh, you've got your camera on that, and then all the, all the apps. And honestly, some entertainment is pretty nice. You can get like a free cribbage playing app on your phone, and then you can sit there and crank out a cribbage game. And if you've got a busy mind and you... You need some entertainment to keep yourself in place, then uh, your phone can be a great tool for that. Uh, the cameras are nice. All the apps that don't require internet really help you out. And then you also need it to be able to operate uh, your inReach if you're using an inReach like the Mini 2. Uh, you got to be able to recharge a lot of this stuff. So for that, I'm going to recommend the Dark Energy Battery. Um, 120 bucks. It's lighter weight than stuff that you'll see from goal zero or some of that. It is as tough as any of the standards go. So there's, there's like actual standards for waterproofness, dustproofness, drop proof, um, that the military and, and civilian worlds use. This thing is at the highest level of all of those. So excellent battery. Um, and I can get three charges out of it, complete charges on my phone, but if you needed to, you know, recharge something else, if you're bringing some other piece of tech with you, then it can do that too. So you just plug USB into it and roll on. The Garmin Tactic 7 Pro Ballistics watch is the watch that I use. So this is going to be a redundant system for my rangefinder because I've got I've got applied ballistics on my watch as well. And then my watch is also going to give me um, that flashlight, which can be absolutely life-saving. It, uh, it's got mapping in it. So I've got GPS and I've got a map. It's going to give me some, uh, some updates for weather as far as like my atmospherics, if, uh, if the barometric pressure is changing. I mean, this thing has a ton of different apps that you can use as well. 
one of the big ones that uh, that I'm counting on in the backcountry is daylight and dark, and when uh, the moon's going to be rising, when the sun's going to be setting, uh, setting an alarm for that because those first few minutes of the day, knowing how many minutes before the sun goes down at night, how far you've got to go to get to where you're camping, all that stuff becomes very, very important. So having a good timepiece is critical. Most smartwatches die after like 24 hours and they're not very tough. This thing is tough as nails and the battery lasts for almost a month and it recharges with, uh, with the sun. So this is going to be a very, a very important piece of gear for me. Um, but it's a backup for a lot of the other things that I have. So it's, it's a luxury, but it's a pretty luxurious luxury. They're not free. These watches cost $1,600. Pretty nice. So that kind of takes us through the entire list of, of what I'm going to be bringing with me. I did put all this stuff in my pack and weighed it. And this comes in at 34 pounds for me. Um, and that's with, with 64 ounces of water. So I don't, I don't know. This is, this is the hard part. Um, throwing a lot of numbers out here at you, but the, the total value of what I'm, um, what I just described is $10,575. If you're going to buy it new, it's pretty expensive and, uh, it's not for everybody. These are all things that you can probably find cheaper versions of. And I would like to do a hunt sometime and just see how cheap I could actually do it. And it would probably be miserable and it might be a little bit scary. You could do it on the cheap. Um, but if you want to use the, the type of equipment or or start with like the baseline of of this like and say, okay, this is what this is what somebody uses who does this as a profession and then you can tailor it to whatever you need but yeah that's uh that's my gear list that's what i use and why i use it and how much it costs and if you guys have questions on this i'm happy to answer them for you uh do my best to get back to everybody as quickly as possible and uh, you can reach out on uh, six ranch podcast or six ranch outfitters at instagram and uh and i can get you the answers that you're looking for or get you pointed into the direction of an expert who can tell you better than I can. Best of luck to everybody hunting out there. Um, make sure you zero your, your rifle and, uh, and you bring everything with you that you need and nothing that you don't. And uh, yeah, have a good time out there on the hill. Oh man, I just realized I forgot something. So another critical piece of gear. I'm sorry, I thought we were done. You, you guys thought I was done too, but a, a critical piece of gear that, uh, that you're going to want to have is game bags. Gosh, I can't believe I forgot game bags. So our gully game bags, you can get them between, uh, 72 and $82, depending on which, which bags you get. And that's a, that's a one-time buy. You can use those bags over and over and over again. And I use one, I'll, uh, I'll take it and stuff it with extra clothes and use it as my pillow. Um, there's a lot of stuff that game bags end up getting used for. I'll use one for, for my food, um, to keep that stuff organized and separate. So add another 80 bucks to the bill. Um, why not? We're already over 10 grand. Okay. So thank you guys for hanging in there. 
because you've been so good and listened to this entire show, whoever writes to me first, whoever listens to this and writes to me first, I will get you hooked up with 50% off of a cross rifle. Ooh, that's a pretty good deal. So yeah, 50% off of a cross rifle. I'll give you a discount code for that. And, uh, then you can, you can use the same gun as me and go out there and have yourself a good time and have a really tough, lightweight, awesome rifle that, uh, that can bring home some food and, You've just got to start augering down on this bill, right? If you go out and, you know, you harvest uh, like eight animals with this system, then you're going to, you're going to be in the black and you'll, you'll be saving and making money at that point. Doesn't that sound like a good deal? All right. You guys have a great fall. Appreciate you hanging in there. What I remember is getting up in the dark, shuffling on out to the pickup and climbing in, heading out headlights going out over the fields and the roads and getting back into the into the mountains and the timber and knowing that there was a, a destination out there that that I was going to be sharing with my dad and at some point either during the drive or or once we got out to some ridge that we were going to be watching when the sun came up you'd hear that that little squeak of uh of the lid coming off of the thermos and then you unscrew that top part a little bit pour that coffee or hot chocolate into a cup and uh, you can just see the little tiny vapors of steam coming off of it curling up into the morning and holding on to that thing like like it was a prayer and you know blowing some of the heat off of it and taking that that first hot drink in the morning and then the same thing that evening you know because if there was anything left it was still going to be hot like those are core memories those are part of part of growing up and part of being an adult and then sharing that now, you know, I'm, I'm getting to share that with my nephew and giving him those experiences. And it's an accessory to the experience. But part of what I remember about hunting and working with my family as a little kid was that there was this green beat to hell, still going strong, Stanley Thermos. And now there's a complete line of Stanley products out there. And if you go to stanley1913.com, you can look into those and see if there's something out there that you need or that you want or that you would like to give to somebody else. And if you use the discount code 6RANCH, the number 6 and the word ranch, and you can get 25% off of just about anything in their store. I encourage you to do it. They're great supporters of this show. They're great supporters of this audience. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of your support and your attention. We're not stopping. We're going strong. And uh, I'm glad to, to pass along this discount to you guys. And I hope that you find something that can help develop that core memory for you and, and the people that you love. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. 
Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.